Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can make the time this morning to come and worship you, that we have been able to get here and spend time with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with our Heavenly Father. Lord, we pray that you may help us this morning to learn from your word. May we indeed profit from this time and may we be strengthened in the faith as a result of coming here this morning. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, people hope for many things, and children particularly hope for many things because they are limited in what they are allowed to do with their lives. Their parents uh, limit them on a regular basis from computer screens to uh, where they can go and what they can eat. And my children particularly tend to hope that I will give them chocolate and lollies at different times. That's one of the main hopes, I think, of their lives, is that I will be generous in giving them chocolate. And so we have a particular stash in the house of uh, where lollies are kept and where chocolate is kept, and our children regularly hope that they will receive something from that stash. And this morning we're coming to the subject of hope. Just like children, we hope for many things, and the subject of hope is raised in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, which we've slowly worked up to in the book of Hebrews, our studies through the book of Hebrews. And if you have a church Bible there, it would be good for you to open it up to page 1187, Hebrews chapter 6, page 1187, and have it open before you as we look at the subject of hope, which is raised in verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. Earlier in this passage we've seen that God made a promise to Abraham and that promise still holds for us today. That he has made this promise, he has sworn an oath that he will bless his people. And so people can be greatly encouraged by the fact that God has made a promise and sworn an oath about his blessing to mankind. And that encouragement comes to those who have this hope. That's what verse 18 says. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, which last time we saw those two things are the promise and the oath, two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We want to be greatly encouraged, so then we need to understand what is this hope that God has offered to people to take hold of. What is this hope? And that's what we're going to study this morning. What does the author of Hebrews have to teach us about the Christian hope? And so my first main point this morning is the Christian hope is offered. The Christian's hope is offered. If you've got a church bulletin there, you can see my main points there on the back. And the first is that the Christian's hope is offered. It is not as though the hope for Christians hasn't been offered for them to have. We see in verse 18 that it's actually offered. It says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. God has actually offered us hope. My children regularly hope that they will have chocolate. But sometimes it is not as though I have offered them any reason to have that hope. I haven't offered that hope to them. Other times I have offered the hope. I've gone to the kitchen, 
I've opened the right cupboard door, they've seen that. I've looked at the right shelf, which of course is the top shelf. All, best, all the best things are on the top shelf, which keeps them out of the hands of uh, people who cannot reach that high. And so I, I open the cupboard, I look at that shelf, and what am I doing when I'm doing that? I'm offering them hope. There is reason for them to hope that they're going to get a chocolate, that they're going to get a lolly from me. And that's what God has done. He has offered us hope. There is, it isn't as though there is no reason for us to have hope in him. He has offered us hope of salvation, hope of blessing for all eternity with him in heaven. And he's done that by making a promise, taking an oath. We have this hope offered to us. It's not as though we are. Uh, he hasn't offered it to humans at all. He has indeed offered this hope to us, this blessing to come. It's interesting that back in chapter 2, verse 18, we read that God hasn't offered hope to every being in the world. What does it say? Chapter 2, sorry, verse 16. Chapter 2, verse 16. Just flip back with me. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. Just back a page. It says, For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't help fallen angels. Angels have sinned as well. Demons. Satan. They're angels who have sinned. But God doesn't redeem them. God doesn't offer them hope. He offers human beings hope. He offers Abraham's descendants hope. And as we've seen in previous weeks, we can be the descendants of Abraham if we will trust in him, if we will trust in Jesus Christ. And so this hope is actually offered to us. That is the Christian hope. It is offered. But can you receive the hope that is offered? And that brings me to my second main point. The Christian's hope is taken. The Christian's hope is taken hold of. And we see that in verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 18, we read, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. The hope is offered to us. God has given us reason to hope. But then it is not as though that hope is withheld from us. No, we can take hold of it. We can grasp it. Just like my children can grasp the hope that I give them. But at other times they may not be able to grasp such a hope. I can offer my children hope, but they may not be in a position where they can actually understand that the hope is there and take hold of it. I mean, if they're out of the room and I'm opening the cupboard and looking at the top shelf, they're not going to be able to take hold of such a hope. And if they're in the room and they're sick or they're asleep or their mind is damaged in some way that they can't actually comprehend what I'm doing, then they can't take hold of that hope. But we can take hold of the hope that God is offering to us. He has given us a sensible mind. We can comprehend what he has said in his word. And so we can take hold of that. Before we are believers, of course, we have darkened minds and we can't understand the hope that is offered. But then God opens our eyes and we can take hold. We can understand the promise that he has made, the oath he has made, that he will bless us not just in this world, but for all of eternity. And we can use that mind, the intelligence he has given us, and take hold of that hope that we will be blessed for all of eternity. You may say, okay, he's offered this hope. I can take hold of the hope. 
But why would I bother? Why would I bother taking hold of that hope that is offered? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. The Christian's hope is worth fleeing to. The Christian's hope is worth fleeing to. It's interesting how he describes the people who are greatly encouraged in verse 18 with this hope. He says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. That hope is something worth fleeing to. We often flee to hopes and my children, when I've got the... I've offered them the hope of having a lolly or a chocolate from a cupboard. They flee to it. Why do they flee to such a hope? Well, their taste buds drive them to it, don't they? They love the idea that they will have some chocolate or they'll get something sweet, some sort of lolly. If I was to offer them hope of broccoli, would they flee to that hope? Maybe your children would. But my children certainly wouldn't. My children do have particular tastes about food. It is not as though all food they will happily put down their mouth. Uh, Joshua particularly, if you offer him something that he doesn't like, he will often stick out his tongue and go, yuck, which isn't very nice if it's mummy's cooking. Uh, but certain vegetables uh, is kind of understandable. I have that same sense in my own uh, self that uh, there's certain things I just would love to say, yuck, about. But... When it comes to lollies, they flee to such a hope that there is going to be something. And it will help them. Uh, They will jump obstacles. They will flee to that hope because they recognize that at this current state, I do not have chocolate in my mouth. My taste buds will want to drive me to such a hope. It's interesting if they've been at a party and or or you've given them a lot of chocolate, like when we take our children to buffet and there's uh, unlimited chocolate ice cream or something like that, you put lots in their bowl, they'll, get a, they'll eat that, and then you get a second bowl, and then eventually they say, too much, feel sick. And they're no longer fleeing to a hope that they can have something sweet. But when it comes to the hope that is offered to us by God, we should indeed flee to it. Why? Because we do not have the blessing of God. We are sinful creatures. The Bible tells us again and again. And if we have sinned against God, what is the consequence? What is our state going to be particularly for eternity? Well, the author of Hebrews has told us that a couple of verses earlier. Verse 8 of chapter 6. What does verse 8 say? But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end it will be burned. And when we studied that passage, we looked at how people can experience the blessing of God, but they're not They're like land that produces thorns and thistles, that produces sin and destruction. And what happens to such people if we are sinners, and we all are? Then we are in danger of being cursed, and in the end we will be burned, the passage says. A reference to hell, the eternal suffering that we'll experience in hell. That is our state before we take hold of the hope that is offered to us. And so if we understand that there is a hope that instead of being cursed and burned, we can be blessed and rejoice forever in heaven with God, then who wouldn't flee to take hold of such a hope? If that is our state, we do not experience the blessing of God 
and then we can find out that we will experience the blessing of God for all of eternity, we should run to such a hope. We should flee to such a hope. Because it means that instead of being damned for all eternity, we will be with God and experience his blessing. So the hope that God offers can be taken hold of and should be, we should run to it. It should be run to because it is such a marvellous hope when we consider how wretched we are in our sins. So we've seen the hope is offered. We've seen the hope can be taken hold of. We've seen the hope should be fled to. But how good is having that hope for you now? I mean, let's face it, we don't experience great, enormous blessing here in this world. We are not in heaven itself. It's one of the lies that prosperity doctrine teaches is that we can experience heaven here on earth and there's a strong focus on the now here in this world. Try telling that to the Christians in Iraq at the moment. Try telling that to Christians in other parts of the world, like China, certain towns in China, where they're suffering greatly for being Christians. How is this hope helpful for them now? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point. The Christian's hope is an anchor for the soul. The Christian's hope is an anchor for the soul. When you hope for the blessing from God for eternity, then you have an anchor that is firm and secure. And that's what the passage tells us, verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 6. We read, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Hope for chocolate by my kids can get them through all kinds of troubles. You can, they can be on the other side of the room and they can have all kinds of obstacles in the way, but they will get up and run over. If they see me open that door and they then have the hope that they will get something sweet, they will come across all kinds of obstacles. We learned very early on that lollies and chocolate can help children get over the hardest of things. Whenever at first they would scrape their knee or fall down or something, I would offer them a lolly and they'd go, oh yes, and the tears would stop flowing. We realised it was a real problem when they would fall over and immediately say, lolly, that they'd already connected the dots that when I have pain, I then have the hope and should expect that I will get a lolly. And we realised that we were already teaching them the, the habit of comfort food uh, at a young age and so we stopped that practice. But it's interesting that that hope for something good can get us through many things. And we see that even in children. And it's the same with this hope that we have taken hold of, of the blessing of God. It anchors our soul firmly and secure for any weather. Just like a ship is anchored at sea and can tolerate all kinds of batterings, because of the anchor that is down in the sea. So if our soul has an anchor in the hope, our, our, our anchor is the hope of the blessing of God, we can weather all kinds of storms in this world here and now. Fears can be dispelled when you have that hope of a great blessing from God. Sufferings are endured no matter how much pain, bodily pain you may be in. You can endure it because of the hope of the great blessing for God, of blessing from God. And you see that with some Christians who suffer in enormous ways. And yet they're still joyful. They're still happy. They're still content. Why is that? 
because they have an anchor that is firm and secure. And that anchor is the hope of the blessing of God that he promised to Abraham many millennia ago, but is still valid for them today. And it gets them through such sufferings. That hope weathers us through false doctrines being taught as well as we battle with our minds about what is right and what is wrong. Even the fear of death is dispelled. If we have that anchor, which is hope in God, isn't that amazing that that greatest fear that man has of death itself, we can weather that if we have an anchor that is the hope of the blessing of God for all eternity because death then becomes meaningless once we recognize that it's just a doorway to the next life, that death is not the end. Death is simply the beginning of the best life that you will ever experience. And so that anchor is indeed firm and secure and then can weather you through all kinds of storms. But then you may ask, okay, so why is my hope an anchor that is so firm and secure? Some hopes are very weak. After all, we can hope for lots of things. But we can't get through troubles in this life so easily. Why is our hope so secure? What is it? What is the grounds of our hope that makes it an anchor that is firm and secure? How can we know that we're going to heaven so much that we can get through so many troubles, so many persecutions, so many trials in this world? Well, it's because of where the hope is anchored. It's not anchored in a seabed. Where is the hope anchored? That brings me to my fifth main point this morning. The Christian's hope has gone behind the curtain after Jesus. The Christian's hope has gone behind the curtain after Jesus. And that's what's taught to us in verses 19 and 20. Verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 6, we read, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Our hopes, our anchors are locked in on something. Just like my children, when they hope for a lolly from me, it's anchored in the fact that their father is a gracious father, generally speaking, and gives them chocolate and lollies in the past and they lock that in with the fact that dad has those lollies to give and he's generally a nice guy and he will give them over. It's locked in on me. That anchor, that hope that they have. And our hope is also anchored somewhere, not in a seabed, but in the throne of God. It's gone into the sanctuary. This reference to a veil, uh, behind a curtain, a veil in an inner sanctuary is, is a reference to the temple and how the inner sanctuary where the presence of God was in the temple was, was blocked off by a curtain so that you couldn't walk into the presence of God. But the wonderful truth that the New Testament proclaims so clearly to us is that Jesus Christ has gone through that curtain, has torn that curtain, so that access is granted 
to sinful human beings who have been cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. That a high priest has gone in and opened a way. And so our hope has gone in after Jesus and is locked on the throne of God. If you picture that anchor, it's hooked on the throne of God because Jesus Christ has taken it in there. It has gone behind the veil and it's hooked on God. And so our hope is a sure, a firm and secure hope because of the work of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us and changed us so that we are no longer counted as unrighteous in the sight of God, but as righteous. We have a hope that has gone behind the veil and we one day too will go behind the veil, behind the curtain, where Jesus is himself and go into the presence of God because our high priest has gone before us and for us. That's what verse 20 says, where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. Isn't that wonderful? On our behalf he has gone in and opened the way for your anchor to lodge in there. And so verse 20 ends, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek which means your hope is very secure, far more secure than the hope that my children have for a lolly in their father. Their father is a sinful human being who makes mistakes and his promises do not always stand. But our hope is in a God who gave his one and only son and that son has gone and made the way secure for us Our hope has gone in after him and one day we will go in after the hope that's gone in after Jesus Christ. And we will enter that most holy place and we will be there with Jesus Christ for eternity and experience his blessing for all eternity as well. That is a marvellous hope to have, far better than any other hope in this world that you can take hold of. So do you recognise that a hope is offered to you None of you are angels, from what I understand. You're all human beings, and the Bible makes clear that a hope is offered to all of you, that you can have the blessing of God for all of eternity. Do you recognize that that hope is offered to you? Do you recognize that you can take hold of that hope, that you must take hold of it, grasp it for that blessing from God? Have you fled to take hold of that hope? Or do you think it's not that big a deal? If that is you, then you need to look into your soul and understand how sinful you actually are. Read the commandments of God and they will start to illustrate very quickly how bad you actually are. Other religions, they love to minimise how severe you are, how severely depraved we are. But the Bible, when you read it, it illustrates again and again. You can read the Old Testament laws. But read something like Sermon on the Mount where Jesus interprets the Old Testament laws and you soon understand that you can't tick any of the boxes, that you've sinned against God again and again. And once you do that, then you will flee to the hope that is offered to you because you'll know there's no other way unless God himself helps you by sending his son Jesus Christ to die for you. So have you fled to take hold of that hope offered to you? And have you now got that hope? Have you taken hold of that hope as an anchor for your soul? Is the reason you don't weather storms in your life very well, persecutions, troubles, pain, 
because you don't have that anchor? Be good for all of us to examine ourselves. Do we actually have that anchor? When we see ourselves despairing, is it because we don't have the anchor at all? Or we've forgotten how secure that anchor actually is. We've forgotten where the anchor is locked in on. That it's gone into heaven itself and is locked on the throne of God, is locked on God, is locked on Jesus Christ. He is the foundation upon which our anchor is pulling. And so we should be able to weather anything. That doesn't mean that it's not painful when we experience bodily pain or that it's not terrible when people insult you or persecute you or you experience any other type of suffering. But is the reason, but if you start to really crumble and start to doubt the goodness of God and start to think it would be better not to be a Christian, which is what the Hebrew readers were starting to think, then that must be that you've started to forget where your hope is anchored, where the throne of God has been opened to you. Do you understand that your hope is grounded in heaven, that it has gone after Jesus Christ and you can weather any storm for all of your life now and then be with him for all of eternity? I hope all of us in this room will take hold of this marvellous hope that has been offered to us and indeed be greatly encouraged that we will be blessed by God both now and forevermore. Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have indeed offered us hope and that that hope can be taken hold of, that you have enlightened our minds, you have given us sensible brains that we can understand what it is you have done, what it is that you have promised. Lord, we pray that we may take hold of that hope and that it may then help us to weather all kinds of storms. When we doubt, when we experience pain, when we experience persecution, when we're tempted to sin, Lord, may we be able to get through it because we know that we have this hope of great blessing for all of eternity. And may we know that this is a marvellous hope because of where it is grounded. It has gone behind the veil into the inner sanctuary after Jesus Christ who went before us and for us. And so, Lord, it is indeed secure, our anchor of hope. And so, Lord, we pray that we may be able to rest peacefully in you at all times, no matter what may come. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.